Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the A Little Less Fear podcast. I'm your host for the show, Dr. Lino Martinez. Oh yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the A Little Less Fear podcast. Today, I'd like to introduce John Naltzner. A Peace of Mind is a multimedia arts project created by award-winning photographer John Naltzner that uses portraits and personal stories to bridge divides and encourage dialogue around important issues. Through exhibits, workshops, lectures, on-site studios, and distance learning, A Peace of Mind leads transformative experiences that help polarized world rediscover the common humanity that connects us. And with that commonality, we are connected right now. <laughs> Thank you and yes. welcome to my show. Yeah, we are. Thanks, Lino. I'm really glad to be with you. So what what brought you into this incredible project that you're doing right now? How did this begin? Yeah, I've been working on a piece of my mind for a dozen years now. And it it started out as a small little personal project. I like how you now, said that, a dozen years. <laughs> yeah. And, and um you know, it started out as this small little personal thing, and it has now grown to, to be the only thing that we do. I mean, it's it's consuming us in this wonderful and beautiful way because um, we're traveling the country now trying to find people who are are looking for creative solutions to some of our most challenging issues. You know, I started, I've always worked as a freelance photographer. I've shot for national magazines and Fortune 500 companies, but... 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I started being increasingly concerned about the quality of our national dialogue. You know, I was concerned about all these things that ask us to look at what can separate us. And I, I wondered if there was something I could do with my photography and storytelling to remember what connects us, to rediscover that humanity that we all share. And <laughs> as luck would have it about that same time, you know, that was the recession. You know, and I like to say, uh, <laughs> you know, the 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 world of freelance photography changed really dramatically. And um, I lost a lot of business and I had this open space in my schedule and I had to figure out what to do with it. And um, on the one hand, I was struggling myself with all of this division, uh, with a loss of my identity as a photographer, you know, being able to make a living doing it. So I just started reaching out and doing these interviews with people and photographing them uh, and building the conversations around this notion of peace. You know, I, I, I was missing a little bit of peace in my life at that moment. And we started having these conversations and um, I've done hundreds of these interviews now. We've traveled all across the country and in the process of surrounding myself with people, myself with people who believe something better is possible. You know, it sustained me. It kept oh, me yeah, going, absolutely. and it helped me see a better way that we can live together. You mentioned at the beginning um, that you first did this for yourself. You were just kind of just trying it out, and then it became an everyday thing and a passionate thing. It's something that you're actually really driven to do. What motivated you to do this just for fun in the beginning before it became something that you're constant that you're doing that you're pursuing every day? Yeah, in the beginning, <clears throat> you know, I was just looking for 
some connection. I was just looking for ways to understand the world. I was looking for ways to bridge divides with people and have have these really interesting conversations about mission, vision, and values and the way we move through the world and the way we can relate to one another. And so I really didn't see the big picture of what this could become right away. I was just curious in the converse about the conversation. And so I did one interview and I'm like, Hey, that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And I did another interview and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's really interesting. And pretty soon I had a dozen stories. Wow. I didn't really know what to do with them. And a friend said, we should just start a website. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready for a website. I want to make sure I have this whole thing figured out first. He goes, just start. You'll figure it out as you go, you know, and, and that was the truth. I think sometimes we get paralyzed as we wait to figure out every step in the process. And in, in that process, we just don't move. And I'm, I'm really convinced that if you start moving, the rest of it can sort of sort itself out. Yeah, it'll find its momentum and then keep the momentum going. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What can you tell our listeners, our viewers, and our watchers um, more about what you just mentioned as far as mission, vision, and value? You know, it, especially now, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, Karen and I have been married for 31 years now. and Congratulations. The, yeah, thanks. Thanks. We, uh, and even now that we live in a van, we still like each other a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's close quarters. But in the fall of 2020, uh, we sold our house and we hit the road to continue this project, to continue gathering stories. And, and in this most recent version, we have waded into some of the most difficult issues that we're facing as a country. We went down along the border to talk about immigration. We went uh, into Mississippi to talk about moving Confederate monuments. We went to Skid Row to talk about housing security. And really any social issue around identity or politics or faith or race or whatever it is, um, we're, we're wading into it and trying to find ways to have productive conversations, trying to find people who are looking for creative solutions to those challenges. And, um, and now I lost track of your original question. What was I supposed to yeah, say? Yeah, I was just curious about your mission, your vision, and your value. Oh, you, yeah. You mentioned those three words, and it just popped in my head, and it just it sounds incredible. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, my mission uh, is to bridge divides and build community with these stories. And so we've got three books, and we've got four traveling exhibits that go around the country, and we, we uh, lead public programming and use these stories to talk about um, challenging our own expectations, to talk about listening deeply, to talk about finding the beauty and the wisdom in everybody around us. And so the, the, the goal is to help people break out of this cycle of division, uh, challenge their, their expectations a little bit, and try to find a new path forward. I like how you say that challenging the, the division because uh, one thing that I've noticed of um, I've been podcasting for over a year now I think you'll, you'll be a little over ninety something episode but mm. within all these episodes I've come to realize that it's actually the diversity that brings us together rather and there's just seems to be a lot of division still and um, it just it's a little heartbreaking sometimes when I'm trying to bring people closer but yet they're still wanting to stay divided and it's I mean they're both 
both these words start with a D and an I. It's like diversity, <laughs> division, but we really want to diversify. And by having that diversity, we were able to have a melting pot and actually come together and by accepting each other's differences. And um, how are you, are you finding that to be true for yourself? Well, you know, what's interesting is that um, <clears throat> when I was working as a freelance photographer, I, I encountered all sorts of people. You know, I might, I might be working with artists one day and I might be working with physicians the next day and I might wow. be working with civil rights activists. Oh, yeah, that's a diversity. After. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, and then the day after that, it might be pig farmers. So it was... <laughs> It was just this really wide range of humanity, but I found uh, that I enjoyed all of it. You know, I loved the people I encountered, no matter what world they were from, because I could learn, right? I could open myself up to figure out what their lives were like and what they encountered along the way. And, <clears throat> and what, like you, what broke my heart is when I started seeing you know, stuff about, you know, marginalizing Muslim people after 9-11, you know, things, things about marginalizing people based on the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or whatever, because I knew people from all of these groups. So when that, when that junk was circulating, I'm like, no, that's my friend. Yeah. You know, it's not this nameless, you know, group of people over there. These are people I know. And so it, it broke my heart a little bit when that happened and you know we have a choice we can either sort of step aside and let that stuff swirl around us or we can become engaged and we can try to make a difference and try to shift the needle uh and i think as you go through life if you if you see division everywhere if you surround yourself uh with division you're going to find it everywhere you look sure. but when you surround yourself with connection and relationship across all of the whatever those divides real perceived are you're going to also find that connection so Absolutely. it's for me it's about you know it's about uh shifting your focus and that doesn't mean that we ignore the challenges you know the world is filled with challenges i live in minneapolis george floyd was killed here in you know the spring of 2020 and mm -hmm. and and that's not the only incident, but so I don't want to ignore the challenges, but I want to approach them with a grace and a hope and a belief that something better is possible. So we try to address those head on, but always, but always looking for the solutions, always moving towards how do we get better? How do we bridge divide? And how do we, how do we change the systems that are in place so that it's more equitable for everybody? How do you find people to interview? Mm, it's um, there's three ways I do it. Sometimes they fall in my lap, right? I was down in Mississippi, in Columbus, Mississippi. I really wanted a day off because I was so far behind on editing. I just wanted to uh, get a coffee from the coffee shop and go sit in front of my computer. And in the line in the coffee shop, I start talking to the guy behind me. His name is Neil Moore. And I'm like, so what's your deal? Neil. And he What's goes, your deal, Neil? <laughs> well, <laughs> What's your deal, Neil? And um, he's like, oh, I'm just paddling across the country, 
I'm, I'm canoeing 7,500 miles to try to remember what's beautiful about America. And I'm like, wow. okay, I'm not going to have a day off at all. Cause I can't not interview Neil you right. know, when I find somebody like that. Right. So sometimes you get really lucky, but most often I'll start doing research, you know? And so I'm about to go down in, into the Southwest uh, to do stories around water scarcity, water resources. And I read an article that says, you know, out of all of the people in the United States who don't have uh, running water in their homes, two thirds of them are Navajo, you know, from the Navajo nation. And I'm like, I got to find somebody who can talk about that. So then I start digging a little bit and I, I, I find names of people who are doing work around access to clean and safe water on the Navajo nation. And then I reach out to him and I say, Hey, I'm trying to do this, this thing. Would you be willing to sit down and talk with me? You know, and I look at it from all these different perspectives and I try to find these different voices that deserve to be amplified, deserve to be heard to help us understand these really complex issues. And a lot of times it happens by me making a connection with one person there one person who sort of understands what I'm trying to do. And I mean, I'm always coming from the outside. So I'm like, who else do I have to talk to? Who else do you know who can help illuminate this issue and can help, you know, my audience understand these things. And so then and what once you, you find that advocate and that yeah. ally, um, they'll plug you in. So what do you, you know, do? So that's the research that I want to doing. When you find um, when you find a story like Neil or or anyone else that you're looking into interviewing Navajos and it's like you get their story, what do you do with the story when you're when you're done talking to them? Yeah, are we record, are you recording right away or do you? I mean, how is it done? Is it done live? Do you bring them into your van? Yeah, I do. <laughs> no, that sounds really sketchy when you say yeah, it like that. I know, right? <laughs> We're not doing yeah, any does. in my van. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm not that guy. Uh, no, we do we do the interviews wherever the people are comfortable. So sometimes yeah. that means outside, you know. Sometimes that means at their home. Sometimes it means at a at a third place uh, that's meaningful to them, mm -hmm. um, you know. And we sit down and we record an hour long interview. And um, I do. I'm a photographer, so then I do a portrait. And sometimes, you know, the portrait will take an hour plus as well because I like to find a space that gives some context to who the person is. I like to find something that uh, visually adds to the story, but I always, always do the interview first because it lets us get to know each other a little bit better. You know, it gives right. them a level of comfort so they can relax and open up a little bit. And then you get a more and natural uh, photography after that. Yeah. You get a more natural photo and, and sometimes they say things in the, conversation that helped me figure out what to do for the picture. You know, I interviewed a man in uh, Philadelphia named Tyrone Wirtz, and he served 36 years of a life sentence for second degree murder. He, his sentence was commuted and he was released from prison a year before the interview. And when I was interviewing him at the end, I said, Tyrone, I don't know if this is really okay to even ask. I said, but it, it would be really powerful, I think, to photograph you in front of the house where the murder happened. How, how do you feel about that? You know, and that's not a question I could have even asked Tyrone, 
until we'd spent an hour right. together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. You, you know, we had to build that relationship. Right. And I think sometimes people jump right into the really difficult stuff before they take the time to build that foundation and lay that groundwork to, to treat each other like human beings. And, and so at the, after getting a photographer, getting an incredible image like that, what do you do with the images and what do you do with the interview? Yeah, we, we post them online. Uh, we share them on our website, a piece of my mind.net. Uh, we have a podcast, um, called a piece of my mind where people can hear the, the interviews just like yours. Uh, but then over time we have shared some of them in books, uh, and we've shared some of them in exhibits. And like I say, we have these traveling exhibits that we install, uh, on college campuses right now we've got one at a church in minneapolis we'll do community centers and conferences and we use those stories to create a space that invites people into dialogue that invites people to realize that if there are problems in the world <laughs> and there are sure. that these are that these are our problems and right. if there are going to be solutions they're going to have to be our solutions sure. and so these these Exhibits are a really welcoming way to share these stories of diverse mm -hmm. backgrounds. So it's, I mean, it's people who march with Dr. King and it's Holocaust survivors and it's wounded veterans and it's people who have dealt with substance abuse issues. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, I mean, whoever we are as human beings, uh, there's some of that voice in this project. And we continue to try to expand that so that you know, people can see themselves and they can recognize themselves in this body of work. And so how do you decide um, what state to travel to next? Do you go to major cities first in a specific state um, based on where you feel there's a need and then just kind of go from there after that? Let's go to, let's say you go from Mississippi to Arkansas or Louisiana. I mean, do you just kind of just travel along and and, and hope for the higher sources to guide you? Uh, there's a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of this is a journey of discovery. And so when there's an issue that's on my heart that I want to explore a little bit, um, I start looking for a, a door to open. I start looking okay. for an opportunity to have these conversations. You know, I wanted to do something around PTSD and suicide prevention with, uh, with veterans. And I had a connection with an organization that leads retreats uh, up. Well, they do it all across the country, but they were leading one up in Washington state when I happened to be in that general area. And I'm like, hey, can this be our anchor? Can this be sort of our foothold into the conversation? And then uh, once we have that big connection, we start, you know, expanding from there. So I was, you know, <laughs> So I'm not dumb. So, you know, I live in a van when it's the winter, I want to be in the Southern States, right? When it's the <laughs> yeah. summer, I want to be up North where it's cooler, uh, <laughs> right. but um, it doesn't always work out that way. But, but when I wanted to talk about immigration, I had a connection of somebody who worked with activists uh, and migrants uh, down along the border. And she said, well, I'm, I'm happy to connect you with people I know. And she had a window in January last year. And so you know, I'm like, that makes sense. Go to Arizona in January. And I had a willing partner who was going to help make a bunch of connections. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, we just sort of 
just sort of let that play out and see who else we can meet down there. Are you ever coming out to the West Coast? I'm in California. Do you ever we're in California? Yeah. We're in, we're in California. I'm in Pasadena, California. Oh, man, I was just there, Lino. Are you uh, serious? Yeah, yeah. We started last summer in Los Angeles. And wow. Um, uh, in June, we started in L.A. And we worked our way all the way up the coast and wound up in the fall up north of Seattle. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So we will we will be there again. I don't have anything firm on the schedule. I'm going to be, like I said, down in Utah and Nevada uh, starting next week for a month. But then we but then we shift gears and we head out to um, Washington, D.C. in the mid-Atlantic states. Um, I've got some exhibits that we're putting up over there. I've got some some programming that I'm doing with schools and then I'm doing uh, a whole bunch of stories around faith and social justice uh, with some groups out there on the East Coast. Now, you'd mentioned Skid Row um, earlier. Skid Row in the East Coast or Skid Row on the West Coast? Or uh, in L.A. there. Okay. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So I went to Union Gospel Mission and um, interviewed uh, Andy Bales, who is uh, the leader of Union Gospel Mission, but also some of the people who, uh, you know, used to be homeless and, and are out, you know, have worked through their program and are now working as staff for Union Gospel Mission. Uh, as we worked our way up the coast, um, you know, I don't I don't just want to talk to people who are leading organizations who help with these issues. I want to talk with people who are living this as well. So as we went up into Corvallis, Oregon, I worked with uh, the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center uh, and interviewed people who are currently unhoused, you know, mm -hmm. people who, who have been in and out of the system and trying to, trying to figure out next steps. Uh, because I think you know, you have to be in proximity to these issues. You can't, you can't stand at a distance and try to talk about homelessness and figure it out. You need to sit down with people who are homeless and you need to understand what their experience is, both to personify it and humanize that experience, but also to understand it and figure right. out what the, what the barriers are um, for folks who are unhoused. Speaking of proximity, when you're in that close proximity with that much those, I mean, that much challenge and those many different types of challenges, what do you do to ground yourself and to keep your mental clarity? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you can't be in proximity of this human pain without absorbing some of it. Sure. I mean, unless you're a heartless jerk, right? right. <laughs> I mean, you. Right. There there are ways that you can protect yourself, but that also distances you from the issues. And so I think yeah. you have to be willing to let your heart get broken um, a little bit in the process. Um, that is where the cracks of compassion open up so that you can begin to deal with these issues and recognize them in, in their full light. Um, but that being said, you, you do have to do some, some self-care um, or, or you burn out, you know, people in social services burn out a lot. People who are in nonprofit work burn out a lot. Um, so for me, it's the outdoors and it's music, you know? So as we travel the country, there's this dovetail and this flow of engaging with these really heavy 
um, social issues, doing really intense public programming at colleges and universities and things like that, and then retreating a little bit into the wilderness. You know, and we go and we park our van in some beautiful forest or next to the mountains, and we take a little bit of time to hike and and recharge. And that's you know that you just have to listen to your heart and know when it's time to do that. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So, what's next with uh, with the peace of my mind? You know, like I said, we're going to the southwest. Then we'll go out to the east coast. I think I think we'll probably stay in this van for you know another year or two years um we love the simplicity of it i can imagine writing a book along the lines of uh you know reducing your attachment to stuff so that you can uh embrace these bigger issues and ideas you know have the energy to embrace these other ideas give yourself um, more room mental room yeah yeah exactly you got to leave some of that literal baggage behind uh, so that you get room to explore this other stuff. And, um, you know, and then maybe shift gears a little bit and do a series on uh, self-reflection and more inner work. And uh, and then I, I think we're going to move on and do some uh, some international work. But this model of using storytelling and art to connect with people and to build community and to uh, bridge divides, this, I mean, this... I can't think of what else I would rather do to be able to go across the country and sit down and have meaningful conversations with people about all of these interesting issues mm -hmm. is a, is a really rare and rich space to be in. And if we can keep figuring out how to put gas in the tank, we'll just keep doing it. <laughs> I'm certain you will. Yeah. You yeah. I'm, will. I'm stubborn. I appreciate that, Lena. Well, what an incredible inspiration you are. Thank you so much for blessing us with your light and your information, your love, your passion. You're, you're literally following your life's purpose. And this is what we all look for. It's just really mind-blowing what you're doing. I'm really excited to have had you on my show. Thank you so much for all your time and for taking time in your incredible vehicle there to, to talk to me. Thank you. No, it's great. I enjoyed the conversation, Lino. And thanks for, uh, thanks for what you do as well I, oh you're um, welcome i love it i'm the same way as you you know I'm, I'm just i just want to motivate people and for those that don't have a voice i bring them on and and if, whether it's their first time being interviewed or their 50th time being interviewed whatever message is to be out to be sent to be taken out there it's meant to be well you know i have i have a friend his name is joe davis and he's a spoken word artist in minneapolis and he's the one who introduced me to this saying that i have come to embrace and if if we can have an exchange with one another and at the end we can both walk away feeling like we've been seen and heard and exactly. valued i think it's one of the biggest gifts we can give to one another beautiful gift yeah yeah you're an incredible gift thank you so much thank you do you Lino. have any it's questions great. um no no i'm just uh, i'm glad to be with you i will watch for when you share this out and i will uh, i'll share it with my circle as well and please let me know when you're out here in Los Angeles that way we can meet up for some coffee and have a story to tell. I'd like that. I'll look forward to that, Lino. What a blessing you have been. Thank you so much for being on a little less fear podcast. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.